church. I love what, what God does through the local church because we're on the front lines of ministry to the world. You know, the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10 is a really cool verse because it, it tells us, it talks about the church and it tells us that we are to, to stir up. The ESV says, stir up one another towards love and good deeds. You know, I love the, the way I memorized it in the NIV, which is that we're to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then that's the local church. We're, we're called to, to push one another without apology and, and challenge one another to say, let's walk with the Lord. Let's be completely surrendered to Jesus. And, and that's the call of the church. And, man, this week has been an amazing week in the life of our church. A lot of our, our people have been on, uh, on this mission trip to their work. There, there's a ministry that has been birthed right out of the heart of our church called Follower of One. And, um, and there have been many people this last week that have been on a mission trip to their, their jobs. And it's just really cool. To, to see that. Then, you know what else happened this week? Not only did many of you serve, and we got to love on our community through the, the gathering on Maine, but, but at the mission this week, one of our volunteers, um, a lady had come through and needed some help, and Barbara Cheatham got to lead a lady to Christ this week at the mission. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And... Um, and I love seeing what God is doing through the heart of our church. And, 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 I, and, and we, we um, you know, we, we have our new members uh, class. Our dinner with the pastor was this last week. And some, there's a group of people that are going through the process of joining our church. And, and, um, and Wednesday night, I, I sat with them and walked through some of our core values. And, and, one of the, and I just want to remind you of, of the core, some of the core values that we have as a church. You know, um, when I think about how we're called to spur one another on, there's some things that drive us. You know, the first thing that you can count on a core value of, a, of our church is that we're going to be biblically based. I mean, we're going to be a church that is founded on the Word of God. This is why we have a goal every time that we get up to preach. It's my goal that, that within the first five to seven minutes we are in the Bible. I don't want you to ever walk in this door and hear a sermon that is preached from this pulpit and go, did we study the Bible today? I'm not sure we opened the Bible. That's not going to happen here. We are going to stand on the word of God. And, and when it comes to every ministry in our church, from preschool to senior adults, we're going to gather around the scripture and allow God's word to shape our lives. We're going we're gonna to stand on the word of God. This is a core value that we're going to be biblically based. We're going to worship together. This is a core value for us. The world that we live in, this community that where God has planted us is going to know who we worship. We're, we're, not, we're not here to promote ourselves or, or um, our brand. We are here to, to lift up Jesus and worship the Lord. And we want the world to know our Savior because, it, because it's he who died on the cross for our sins. And it's, and, and it's his forgiveness that, that has moved us. And so we're driven and we're moved to, to give worth to God in everything we do. Uh, we're going to worship together. We're going to be committed to community. And this is something I pray we understand, that, that, 
that we're, that we're not just here to, to watch a show on Sunday morning and then go home. No, we are in life together, and, and we're to know one another, and we're to... We're to uh, we're to, to, to be known, to know one another and to be known by other people. And this is a value. This is why we are put so much emphasis on our groups and on our Bible studies. And, and it's my prayer that you engage with a group on Sunday morning. And we have incredible opportunities around us at every hour, starting at 8 a.m. all the way through the end of Sunday morning. And I hope that you are in a group. And if you are not, let us help you find one. Because this is, this is a commitment that we have, that we're to be in life together. And I love watching our church at work as we minister to one another and help one another. And, and, I, and I'm grateful that we can love one another in spite of our differences. Even those that are wearing orange today, that burnt orange color. We, we love them anyway. And that's okay. Um, but, but we're committed to community. We are also learning how to be ambassadors for Christ. And this is a value for us. We are going to push one another and challenge one another to be ambassadors for Christ. Now think about how amazing it is that you and I are called by God to represent him to the world we live in. And, and I pray that we don't forget that and we, and we represent Christ in an in, a, in, in, a, in in a, in a God-honoring way, that we are good representations of him to the world we live in, where our schools, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our, our families, our friends, that we represent Christ well. Now, um, you know, today we're in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles turned, it's a really, uh, really cool story. I've, I've, I've got to tell you, I've loved this study through the book of Acts because, because this is the start of the church. This is where the church began. And, 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 and each one of these places that Paul went on his missionary journey uh, journeys, really there were three missionary journeys. We are in the second missionary journey of Paul um, as he just travels throughout Asia Minor. And, and, um, and, and you know, out of these missionary journeys, the church formed, and, and these churches were planted, and, and, and we see later on as Paul writes these letters to these specific churches, the book of Acts are where the seeds were planted and the church began to grow. Just like what happened here in Owasso, Christians came, uh, churches were planted, and, and we are here to, to represent Christ where, where we live. And this is what has happened all through, all through history since, since this beginning. And, 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 you know, I want to remind us of something because the year is come, we're, we're like 102 days till the end of the year. And I want to remind us of a challenge that we've been given, that we have embraced over the, the, this calendar year. In 2018, we began the year with this gospel challenge that we would share the gospel with as many people as our age. Now, I know that's, uh, you know, one of our assistants, they, they go, Chris, that, that sounds funny. How, share the gospel with as many people as your age. And I was, I was like, well, let me break it down for you. Um, uh, I'm 47. So it's my goal this year to share the gospel with at least 47 people throughout this calendar year. And I want to challenge us to remember that goal. And, and I, I want to, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a member of this church, how are you doing with that goal? 
And, and let's, let's embrace that calling. And, and I'll tell you, I've been amazed that as I've been just praying, Lord, help me share the gospel with people. It's amazing the doors that have opened, the, the, the moments that I've gotten to go share the gospel with people. And it's actually blown my mind. I mean, uh, I, on, on one day, I got to share the gospel with over 600 freshmen at UConn High School in a small setting where, I mean, it took me seven and a half hours. I was exhausted, but they invited me to come and share the gospel. And, and, and it's amazing when you, um, no, no, they invited me to come tell a story, but I, I got to share the gospel. It was, it was awesome um, to get to do that. But the truth is, when you start praying and asking God, God, would you use me? You'll watch doors just open up in ways that just blow your mind. And so let's remember that challenge. Now, Acts 17, if you have your Bibles, let's look there. And would you stand with me as we look at God's word today? We're going to read verses 1 through 10, but we're going to focus in on, through, on, on these two cities that Paul went through as he went to Thessalonica and Berea. But verse 1 says this. Now, when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to, to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying that Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the of of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, I, I love this, and, and, and this morning, I, I want I, I us to point out a couple of things and, and learn a couple of things from this passage that are going to help us follow through with that commitment that God has put on our hearts to share the gospel with as many people as, as our age. You know, because some of us think about that and think, oh, man, I don't think I can do that. But, but I want you to know there's some, there's some lessons that we see in this passage that I think will help us, will help you as you tackle this challenge and embrace this call to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, it's interesting as verse 1, Paul is following this famous Ignatian way. 
That, that's what the road he is traveling. And, and as you look at history, the way the Roman culture influenced history, and, and, and Rome greatly influenced the United States because we are a part of Western society. And, and, and the lessons that happened through Rome has greatly influenced American culture. And, um, and it's, in, in Rome, one of the things that they had done that, that actually made the gospel just a per, it was a perfect time for Jesus to come. We're going to look at this at Christmas time and, and, uh, cause we're going to look at Galatians four around Christmas throughout the entire Christmas season, because it was the perfect time for Jesus to come because the Ro- Romans had built these roads that went all over the world. So for the first time in history, the gospel could travel. I mean, the, Paul took this road through these cities. Now, Amphilius, big Bible word. If you, I mean, I always struggle with Bible words sometimes. And Apollonia, they, they came, he passed through these cities. They were likely smaller cities. I mean, we know they were smaller cities. They weren't likely. They were smaller cities. Paul passed through these. We don't know of ministry that Paul accomplished in those cities, but he went to the bigger city of Thessalonica. Now, that was a city about, of about 200,000 people. And, uh, and it's interesting. Now, look back at verse 1 and 2. And when they had passed through these cities, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in as was his custom. Now, I love this. I love this about Paul. And this is something I pray that we learn. That, that Paul, Paul was always on the go, wasn't he? I, I love it that he, that he, he gets to Thessalonica and, and, and he went into the synagogue. And, and this was, this was a, a normal path for him. And all through Acts, you see Paul beginning to work in the synagogues. Why? The scripture talks about that, that salvation came to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. And in the synagogue, Paul had this influence. He had this, these relationships, this reputation. And so every time he entered a city, he went in there. Now, when I, when I think about um, this, it was his custom to constantly go to his people. And I love this. Folks, it should be our custom, just our normal practice to go to people, go to our people. Well, who are we? We're, we're, we live in this part of Oklahoma. We're Oklahomans. We're Americans. And, and see, I want to be faithful. I want to be a church that, go, that it's our custom to go to our people. And now, now when you think about being an ambassador, ambassadors do some things. You know, point number one is this, ambassadors choose to go. And can I challenge you to be an ambassador that chooses to go? I mean, Paul's on the go here. He, he, he goes to, to, to these cities and he goes to people, his people, to say, look, I want you to know about Jesus. You know what, I, what I'm burdened for about believers? Many people in the churches, they don't choose to go. We sit. And, and this is not, not our call. As, as a church, we should be spurring one another on to go to people to go and, and to share the gospel. And, and, and when I look at what Paul's doing, all he's doing is putting the words of Jesus into practice. Remember Jesus in Matthew 9? Remember what he said? 
I can imagine Jesus' face as, as he's with his disciples in Matthew 9 and and. And the crowds were coming to him. And in Matthew 9, he, uh, he, he saw the crowds. The Bible says, verse 35, he says, we, I saw the crowds and, and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus saw people. And, and I can imagine his eyes, his face, the urgency on his, on his face as Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out workers into his harvest field. Now, folks, that's us. We're the workers. You and I are called to be the answer to Jesus' prayer in Matthew 9. Oh, my goodness. Don't you want to stand before the Lord someday and say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be an answer to your prayer as one of those workers who are going to his harvest field. That's what Paul was doing. That was his custom. Man, I pray that's our custom. I pray that, oh, what's a custom? It's just something we do. That, that's just part of who we are. It's our custom. Speaking up about Jesus is our custom. I love that. This is why I pray that we learn to pay attention to God's voice. We learn to come and gather around his word and listen for his voice because God is alive. He's moving us. And this is why every time I come into this room and gather with our church family around his word, I expect God to speak to me. I'm not here going through some religious motions. No, I'm here checking in with my Savior, my Lord and Savior, as with his body saying, God, what are our orders this week? How can we honor you and worship you this week? And put your word into practice and go. We pay attention to God's voice. Then I, then I, I think we see in Paul's life, we, we, we not only pay attention to God's voice, but we look for people in our area of influence. That's what Paul's doing. He goes to the synagogue first because that was his area of influence. Now, now, now this is the church at, at Thessalonica, Okay, there are two letters that Paul writes, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, right? So, so right, he's here in this city for three weeks. Three weeks he's in this city, and these supernatural things happen. And, and now, now we see evidence of it in 1st Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles, turn quickly over to 1st Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to see this because this is what happened, this is what happened in, in Thessalonica. It says in verse 6, he said, Paul writes to them later on after this three-week missionary experience. He says, you became imitators of us, verse 6, and of the Lord. Look at what they did. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, so first of all, it says the Thessalonians received the message of God. And this is what I hope we do. I, I hope that, that we receive the message of God in our lives, that when we come together, we receive it. Lord, we receive your message. Look at verse 7. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. They received the message so much that they became examples. That's an ambassador. That, that's an example. We're to be an example to people that, that see us, that watch our lives. And, and look at verse 8. 
For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia. So, so not only did they, they receive the word, but look at this, the word of God sounded forth from them. Isn't that cool? Folks, this is what should happen in our lives. The word of God should sound forth from us. Is that happening? Oh, it's got to happen with us. The word of God must be sounding forth from us. It's so cool. The, that, that, that basically means it echoes from them. So, so the word of the Lord came to them, and then it echoed from them. And, he, and read on in verse 8. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. Now, how cool is that? That, that, that the word of God through these Thessalonians, it, it, they received it, and then it sounded forth from them, and it echoed everywhere. So Paul says, I don't even have to say anything because it's coming from you. Don't you want to be a church like that? Oh, my goodness, we're called to go and be an ambassador like that. Man, I, I, I love it. And Paul was faithful to do this. Look back at Acts 17. Let's go back to verse 2. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, look at this, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So, so as an ambassador, we got to first of all go. And, and secondly, as ambassadors, point number two is this, we've got to be confident to engage people. Can, can I, I love what Paul says. Look at the passage in verse 2. It says, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Don't, don't you, I want you to know something about our faith in Christ. It's reasonable. There's a reason for the hope that we have. And, and we can be confident in the faith that we have because it's a reasonable faith. I, I don't have a blind faith in God. There, there are reasons that I believe in God. The resurrection is a reason. The, my own personal experience is a reason for my hope. And, and see, this is what I pray that our students understand, that when, a, when, when we send them off to college and, and these professors are antagonistic against them that say, look, it's, it's, it's stupid for you to believe in God, we go, no, no, time out. Well, wait, wait a second. It's stupid for me not to believe in God. I mean, when I think about what God has done in my life, it is foolish for me not to believe in him. And, and it's my prayer that we recognize that our faith is reasonable. It's, there are many reasons that we have. Parents, can I, can I challenge you with this? We ought to consistently reason with our children from the scriptures why we believe what we believe. This ought to be a, a habit of, of, of our daily journey. We're, we're giving a reason for the hope that we have. You know, I, as, as I raise my kids, I, I you know, there, there's pressure being a pastor's kid because they go to school going, oh, you're a preacher's kid. You're supposed to act right. And how many of you know stories, oh, the preacher's kids are the worst kids, you know, because they're preacher's kids. They're probably true. But I tell my kids this. Um, look, I want you to follow Jesus, not because I'm a pastor and it makes me look good if you do, because I really don't care about that. I want you to follow Jesus because that's the best path for your life. 
And, and I pray that we as parents, all of us are called as parents, as grandparents, for us to reason with our kids from the scriptures why we believe what we believe. Mom, dad, you can do this. You've got to do this. I mean, and this is why the challenge that we've given that last week and we put it on social media this week of, of pray with your family about what you give. That's, that's just reasoning from the scriptures. Look at it. See, this, this involving our children and, and communicating our faith, why, why you believe in Jesus. Have you ever sat down with your kids and said, hey, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you why I believe in Jesus. Let me tell you why we get up on Sundays and go to church. Let me tell you why I have my quiet time. I spend time in God's word. This, uh, this is Paul was, was confident to engage. And here's what I want you to know about our faith. Did you know that our personal relationship with Christ is intellectually credible? That I did not have to check my brain at the door when I came to follow Jesus. And last week, when I, when I shared the gospel with this professor, I told her that. I didn't check my brain at the door to follow Jesus. I don't have this blind faith with no reason, just because I have a quiver in my liver, if you will. No, I, I have a reason for my faith. And it's intellectually credible. It makes sense. You know why? Because a personal relationship with Christ it works in real life. My, my relationship with Christ works. And I've known people that have said, well, you know, it didn't work for me. Uh, let me tell you something. When you surrender your life to God's word, it works. Jesus said it. Matthew 7. If you put my words into practice, you're going to be on a rock. Now, that doesn't mean that tough times aren't coming. But let me tell you something. It works to follow Jesus. Surrender to him. The problems come in my life when I don't follow him, when I go my own way. And see, Paul was confident to engage. Look at this. Ambassadors, are, are, are they choose to go. They're confident to engage. Ambassadors are ready to explain, right? This is what Paul does. Look at verse 3. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. And, and see, ambassadors are quick to explain the resurrection and quick to explain that, hey, there's a reason for our faith. And they're doing this from the scriptures. Now, Paul goes to two places right here. He, when he leaves Thessalonica, he goes to Berea. And I want you to look down real quickly at verse 10. 10, as he went to Berea, he goes into the synagogue. There were a group of unbelieving Jews in Berea. And look at verse 10. It says, the brother, in chapter 17, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue. Verse 11, look at this. This would be a great verse to memorize. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So look at that. They were going, okay, Paul, you're teaching us about the resurrection and, and, and what these Bereans didn't do. They didn't just go, well, I'll just accept what you say. I hope that we are like the Bereans. 
you know, look at what they did. They were like, okay, you're, you're teaching about the resurrection from the, let's go search the scriptures and see if it's true. I hope that when anybody gets up and preaches in your life, that you don't just say, oh, well, they have a doctor by their name, so they must know. No. You better, I, I hope that our church is full of people that when I get up and preach or I, I issue a challenge, that you go, okay, well, let me search the scriptures and see if that's right. You know, I love that account. I need that accountability. I pray that our church is full of people that, that will say to me, okay, Chris, you gave our church a challenge to tithe. Is that what the scriptures say? Well, let me, let's, you ought to go examine them and see for yourself. Okay, to share the gospel with as many people as our age. Okay, Chris, is that, is that just your challenge or is, is that really from God? Let me search the scriptures and see if it's so. And see, that's what the Bereans did. And look at what happened in verse 12. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Okay, so when they started searching the scriptures about the resurrection, they were like, oh my goodness, he's right. They looked at these prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and then Daniel, and they were like, oh my goodness, that dude's right. Because they searched the scriptures. And they were like, we're many of them believed. And not all of them believed. Why? Because we all have this problem. We want to go our own way. And, and, and I want to ask you a quick question. Can you take the scriptures and explain the magnificence of the resurrection? See, that's what Paul's doing here. He's not, he's not sharing his testimony. He's not just saying, hey, my life has been changed. Though that's good, that's powerful. But you know what he's doing? He's saying, I don't want you to look at me, I want you to look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. Can you... Every ambassador, and it's my prayer that every one of our church members can take the scriptures and say, let me show you what Jesus has done. Now, I'm going I'm to give you four passages of scripture very quickly that you can write down and take from the scriptures and point people to Jesus. Romans 3.23. It's called the Romans Road. The Romans Road. It begins with Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That all of us are sinners. That's our problem. Romans, Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned. Every one of us. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And see, this is powerful. We say, don't look at me, don't look at my example, because I'm going to fail you. I'm going I'm to disappoint you. If you as a church member here put your faith in me, I promise you, very quickly I will disappoint you. Just ask my wife. She knows all my mistakes. But you know what? Paul doesn't say, look at me. He says, look at Jesus. Christ died for you. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, there's a gift that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it. It's a gift. 
The gift of God is what? It's eternal life. Jesus gave us eternal life. That means when this body dies, it's not over. And that's where, that's where the, that's, what, that's a message the world needs to recognize. Because many people are just living for this life. Romans 10, 9, and 10, and 13. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is such a powerful passage. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Folks, that right there, the Romans road, is, a, is taking the scriptures and pointing people to Jesus. You could use that as an ambassador. Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. See, see what's happening in both Berea and in Thessalonica. Greeks and Jews are coming to faith in Christ. And see, as an ambassador, we're not only, we've got we've to choose to go. We've got to be confident to engage. We've got to be ready to explain. But ambassadors are also determined to speak up. Folks, we've got to speak up. And we live in this culture of, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Folks, we've got to speak up about this. Speak up about Jesus, and when we speak up, let's be clear. Let's be clear about the gospel. Let's be clear about the resurrection. Let, and this is what I'm trying to learn to do, be concise, right? Okay, it's probably not my strength of concise. I mean, I'm trying to preach shorter sometimes because nobody's ever complained about a short sermon, right? No, but, but, but when we speak, we've got to be concise. We've got to be persuasive, Oh, I love how Paul was persuasive. And I'll tell you, in my life, I pray that we are persuasive. And then what we do is we leave the results to God. And this is just the path of following Jesus, of being an ambassador. Verse 5, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now, look at what uh, verse 5 says. These Jews, Paul calls them wicked men of the rabble. I, I like what the King James says. If you have the King James, it says, certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. That's good, isn't it? Oh, man, that's good. We ought, you ought to try that. Next time you get mad at somebody at work, say, you're a lewd fellow of the baser sort. I think they would go, okay, uh, thanks. Or you can always throw out uncircumcised Philistine. I like that one too. Um, but, 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 you know, Paul's like, these, these, these guys are jerks. These guys are punks. These, these are bad dudes. They show up in, in verse, verse 6, and when they could not find them, they're looking for Paul and Silas. They couldn't find them. They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Isn't that cool? They're dogging them. They're, they're, they're making them, they're mad at them. And what do they say? These men who turned the world upside down. Oh, my goodness, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Are you kidding me? 
That's our, I mean, shouldn't we be going to our schools and turning our schools upside down for Jesus? Shouldn't we be going to our works where we work and we turn the world upside down? Let me tell you something. It doesn't take you long to watch the news and say and discover our world is not right side up. Jesus said, no, we got to turn this upside down. And I pray that's us. I pray that, that we are a church that turns this city upside down by the way we love people. That, you know, I mean, golly, this is an incredible compliment to our ministry. And I pray that we turn this world upside down by the way we love, by the way we follow Jesus, by, by the way we, we reach out to our neighbors, by the way we put God's word into practice. Oh, that's how, that's how you turn the world upside down. That's what Jesus did. That's why those people came to him in the Sermon on the Mount and said, oh, man, I, I love your neighbor? Love your enemy? Be good to those who persecute you? Hmm. Verse 7, and Jason had, has received them. And they are all acting against the, the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, King Jesus. And they were saying, yeah, you know what? Caesar isn't the king. There is another king, King Jesus. And folks, the world is desperate to realize and recognize that there's another king rather than their own way. It's Jesus. And it goes on, verse, verse, five, verse 8. And the people in the city Authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as a security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So here's Jason. He's following Jesus, and it cost him, didn't it? Ambassadors, last thing, 9.5, ambassadors are willing to accept the consequences. Folks, let me tell you something. Following Jesus is a, is a free gift, but let me tell you, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to follow Jesus. That's why I love John 16, and incredible statement by Jesus. He says this, I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And folks, Jesus has overcome this world. That's why we follow him. Our world is, is desperately lost. And he's calling us to be ambassadors to represent him. And that's why if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I, I simply want to be an ambassador for Christ saying, would you come to him? Would you follow him? Would you turn to him? This is why without apology, I want to spur our church to say, let's surrender to him. In everything we have, in everything we do, we are living surrendered to Jesus. Is that where you are today? Oh, folks, there's no other way to live because God is calling us to turn this world upside down.